What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. It is the Super Bowl edition. Matt and I got you covered. We have all our picks, our final picks to make, give some of our favorite props. We'll get into the game, of course. So much more to talk about. It's always such an exciting weekend. I, I kind of love when non-fans of sports get involved in sports, and this is just the cornerstone weekend for that. So, Matt, how are you doing? How are you feeling about the Super Bowl? I'm excited. How excited are you? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling excited. Um, how confident are you feeling about our NFL season pool? It really, you know, it all comes down to this. That's a season's uh, long work. Well, I, I think it's it's not how you, you start. It's how you finish. And I think that in terms of finishing out the season strong, uh, I really brought my A game this playoffs. And I, I have never felt more confident going into uh, going into a, a final jeopardy with a twist, we'll call it, uh, than I do this week. So best of luck to you. Okay, cool. So uh, who are you taking? We'll get there. Let's let's start here. Uh, before we get into the Super Bowl, I'd be remiss to not mention the Knicks even in the slightest. Big trade deadline yesterday in the NBA. Uh, I don't know if you saw my my TikTok I made on the account yet, uh, but I had some silver linings in, in some of the injury news that came out yesterday. Definitely think it's worth talking about. So yesterday, NBA trade deadline, Knicks trade for Bojan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks from the Detroit Pistons, uh, you lose Malachi Flynn, Quinn Grimes, Evan Fournier, two second round picks uh, to uh, as the main piece of the package. And, and let me let me start by saying this. I obviously want your your thoughts on, I guess, where the Knicks are at right now and everything. But look, Quinn Grimes is, is the main piece there and everything else, you know, all the other players, anyone else involved in that deal? Not really too much going on there, right? You know, they're going to the Pistons. I'd be stunned if Malachi Flynn plays for the Pistons. I'd be stunned if, you know, Evan Fournier ever touches the ball for the Pistons. It's it's a, it's a kind of like the Knicks almost dumping off some assets and attaching them to Quentin Grimes. You look at people like Bogdanovich and Alec Burks, they're good wings that, that can make plays. We've seen Alec Burks in New York before. He's been there. He knows it. The fans like him. Uh, there were some some very interesting takes on Twitter I saw about you know, him coming back and how well he played when he was with the Knicks. And he seemed to be a, I want to say a fan favorite, but a guy that the fans definitely uh, were akin to. So I don't know. Did you have any any thoughts other other than like just, you know, the Knicks are good and I'm excited? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, like you said, a fan favorite. Yeah, I mean, he even had a the great Ben Stiller tweet about him once during a game. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of felt like maybe there was going to be something there with Grimes. But, you know, you move past it, and I guess you just kind of feel bad for sending them to Detroit. Yeah, I, it's that is NBA purgatory. It's NBA hell, however you and, want to and say it. It's, it's, it's the world purgatory. It's hell yeah. in America. It might be. Well, Detroit almost was on the up and up, but the Lions fell short. So that was uh, just yeah. tying the two conversations together. But yeah, I mean, looking at this from the Knicks perspective, Bogdanovich is going to be a guy that, you know, he's, he was averaging about 20 points a game uh, on the Pistons. That's obviously going to change in a different kind of role with the Knicks. But look, what did the Knicks need? And, and they signed Miles McBride to an extension and he's been great. I think the, the future is very bright for him as a backup point guard to Jalen Brunson. But I think that he's not 100% there in terms of being like a, a, a backup point guard and playmaker. He's great to have on the floor. He'll hit the corner threes. He'll make the hustle plays. But guys like Alec Burks and guys like Bogdanovich, they're guys that they'll play good defense, they'll hit threes, and they can make a play for the four or five minutes that Jalen Brunson is off the court. And I think that that's going to be something that Nick fans are going to look back on and maybe not you might not get a 40-point Alec Burke game or a 40-point Bojan Bogdanovic game, but you definitely will get solid minutes out of these guys every single time. And you never know, maybe one of these nights, uh, you know, you get a, a big game from one of these guys, and it really makes you realize that the Knicks are just deep, and they're, they're probably seven to eight guys solid deep. You'll get Mitchell Robinson back eventually. He'll, he'll be uh, another anchor on that defense, and it's just up for the Knicks right now. Uh, did, have you watched, did you watch the Mavericks game? What were your, some of your thoughts on that, that mishmash squad with no Brunson, Randall or OG? Yeah, well, I mean, that's really the whole thing with the Knicks. I, you know, really the, the viral thing going around about the Knicks now is like, I mean, Jesus Christ, look at this lineup. If healthy, if everyone was healthy, you know, uh, and I think they are on the up and up, like you mentioned on your podcast, I mean, Ananobi 
you know, no big deal. You're going to be able to regroup uh, seemingly, you know, at the perfect time uh, and hit your stride during the NBA season. Yeah. And that's kind of what the last thing I wanted to hit on here before we get into the Super Bowl. But I, I think it's a little bit of a blessing in disguise. And I don't want to reiterate my TikTok that I made or, you know, just some of my quick commentary I made yesterday. But again, the problem with Thibs or even if, even if you see it as a problem, some people might not. But, you know, playing these guys 45 minutes a night, 42 minutes a night, Josh Hart. I don't know if you watched the Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart podcast yesterday, but one of the first things that they said, and they were kind of just like, you know, tongue in cheek joking about it was, wow. Yeah. Thibs got me playing 40 minutes. Like Josh Hart at this point in his career, he's not a, you know, he's not an old player we'll say, but definitely a guy that has been, been in the league for a, a little bit now and, and playing 40 minutes a night on a whim when, when you need to fill in for a guy an injury, you're going to be sore the next day. It's just natural. So I, I think my, my overall point I'm trying to make is, you know, you're, you're losing Brunson for a little bit, or hopefully not a little bit, but I would presume that you're going to probably be without him. Hopefully the ankle gets better, but I think I'm okay with sitting him out through the all-star break. Same with OG. Randall will be not too soon after that. All signs point that Robinson will be around the Randall timeline. And I think that this could be a blessing in disguise because, again, if you believe that Thibs is playing these guys too many minutes or, you know, running these guys too hard, I think that this is some time to not only heal the, their current injuries, but just get their legs back under them. You know, I likened it to a, you know, in baseball, when you have a guy who's done, it's like a phantom IL stint for a pitcher where they just maybe not necessarily hurt, but just need a, a week or two to just get their, all their muscles back intact, any aches and pains go away and just get their arm back. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, ju- I think it's just tough for, you know, Nick fans, because it's kind of the first time in a while that you're excited to look at the standings every night and be like, oh, we're right there. You know, we're the three seed tonight. All right, back in the book. I think that, uh, that that's been a lot of fun for people. So, you know, you get a little hesitant about injuries and things like that. But I, I mean, really, uh, the entire end goal of the season just depends on being healthy in, in a couple of months. Yeah, it's again, that, that's a that's a great thing you said there. I mean, it's one thing to be healthy for the whole season, yeah, that's impressive. But realistically, in today's NBA, it's not – I'm not going to say the healthiest team wins, but the combination of the hottest and the healthiest team most likely will win at the end of the year. So uh, it, to be to be in a position where you, you can kind of say you're getting the quote-unquote injuries out of the way, uh, I think is a good thing. A little bit just of a silver lining there. So uh, exciting stuff around Knicksville. Let's move on because the Super Bowl definitely is going to command most of our time. We thought that the best way to, to intro this Super Bowl would be to just get right into our picks. Um, and, and the best way I could summarize this and how we're going to do this is it's Final Jeopardy with a twist, right? So Final Jeopardy, we all know you get to the end and you can risk up to double of whatever you have you know, from that range. So what we decided to do just to make it a little bit more interesting. And obviously there's, there's really four sides you can take here. You can take the chiefs with the points or to win straight up. You can take the 49ers giving the points or the 49ers to win straight up. So we decided to, to do it like this. And if, if you don't follow DM us on Instagram and I'll explain it further, but please try and follow this. Uh, you can take the underdog with the points or the favor to win straight up and you can risk slash win minimum maximum of half your points. So for instance, Matt sitting at 34 points right now. If he wants to take the Chiefs with the points, he can only risk up to 17 points on his final Jeopardy round. On the flip side of that, if you want to take the Chiefs to win straight up or the the 49ers to cover, then you can risk all of your points. So Matt would be able to risk 34 points in that case. Me uh, just a quick score update. Matt, 24, 17, and one with 34 points. Me, 27, 15, 27 and 15 with 43 points. So a nine point gap between the two of us. And I think it's only fair to let you give your pick first. Yeah. Well, I do want to start out by saying here that it's, you know, maybe our picks got a little jumbled up when there were so few games to pick from the last couple of weeks and all the extra things we added to our pool. But I, I mean, I, maybe we patted ourselves on the back enough. Maybe we haven't. But looking back at those numbers, I mean, we we really had an impressive season. So um, 
I, I, I'm virtually shaking your hand and saying, you know, hell of a job to the both of us. Yeah, we, we come out of the season with 51, uh, 51 wins, your you're one tie, and then 32 losses. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, very, very right. impressive. And, yeah, and I, I will move on with my final pick. Um, I will be wagering more than just half of my amount of points here. All right. Uh, I'm kind of riding a train that I have all year. And I'm doing something I said I was afraid of doing again, but I'm going to stay on brand here. I'm just, I'm picking the team that to me, just has been a better football team all season in the San Francisco 49ers. uh, And I have them to cover two points and uh, I will be wagering 25 of my points. Interesting. All right, good. So, so can you, is there, you want to walk me through the 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 number or the risk factor in that? Where's where's the twenty five come from? Uh, no, I mean I I just kind of felt like I maybe have a, a read on what you thought I was going to do, and I kind of felt like I, I had to I had to go a little heavier in the points because of that because I I kind of feel like if you're confident in your side, I feel like you kind of knew what I was going to do. So seventeen points, you know, I don't, I don't think it would have been enough. I got you. I, I, look, it's it's your pick, not mine. So my pick, and I don't know if this is your correct read. I'm taking the Chiefs to win straight up. Uh, I think that I'm I'm done betting against Mahomes. I'm I'm cool with having you know egg on my face about this, and I'm gonna to be the bad guy here. I'm gonna oh. risk thirty five points. One more year. So I was scared that you would take the same thing and double your points. So I took double plus one. So that way, even if you won or even if, you know, you lost, I lost. The math worked out in my head. I don't want to sit here and explain it, but I will be wagering 35 points to and the Chiefs will win straight up or the Chiefs to win straight up. And I think that in, we'll obviously get into the game of this, but I what's what are we looking at here now? Again, we didn't know these picks, right? We we I had no idea what Matt was picking before this. He had no idea how much I was wagering, who I was picking. It was only a guessing game. So what's what's the nightmare scenario for us as I look at this? So I have the Chiefs to win straight up, and you have the 49ers minus two. So is the 49ers minus one the nightmare scenario for you? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess it would be, yeah. Well, so if so, if the 49ers win by one, right? So this is looking at the points. Actually, wait, this is crazy. If the So I risk 35 points, you risk 25. If the 49ers win by one, that means neither of us are correct. That means that I would then have eight points remaining, and then you would have nine. Wow. So you have an avenue, you have a couple avenues of victory. You have you're gonna you can win if the 49ers cover, or you can win if the 49ers win by one. Yeah, yeah. All right. Or yeah, honestly, if the 49 it's really just Chiefs 49ers, really. If you if you look at it like that. Yeah, yep. But it, again, that's the that's yeah, we, the disaster we, scenario if we both yeah, lose. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. We so, kind of dug deep for no reason. Yeah, but but it's okay. I mean, it's I like that. There's like a whenever there's like an, an outside chance, regardless of what the the odds are or whatever. I'm always like looking for you know that outside chance to hit. Like for instance, like if I take a winning margin, or let's say you take two winning margin bets in basketball, where you take like you know the Celtics to win by seven to ten, and then you take like the Celtics to win by you know, 13 to 20, you, almost part of you is rooting for like the game to be between 11 and 12 points. You know, yeah, that, you know what like, I mean? Like, like in the back the of your entire head, time. Yeah. Like, you know, when you have the a meme of like a, the evil guy in your shoulder, like the evil guy in the shoulder on our shoulder right now is rooting for the 49ers minus one. Yeah. Yep. So, um, but good picks. I, I genuinely wish you the best of luck. Uh, I've stormed back here. It would be nice for you to win and kind of just cap off you had a you had a great season. You kind of the playoffs kind of blew up in your face a little bit, but yeah. I think the the final jeopardy makes it very intriguing. Yeah, I I, I think I, I I went down with my heart in the playoffs. I think. Yeah, <laughs> you fell on the sword. Some might yeah, say. like Joe Joe Flacco got me. You know, yeah, Detroit got me. Yeah, you are you got got big time. Yeah, but uh, all right, let's 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 talk about the game. We we made our picks. Talked about the Knicks. Let's let's get into the nitty gritty of this. Uh, the first thing I guess I'll say, and I'll just kind of lead into or lead off of my Chiefs pick. I personally, I just think the Chiefs have 
the more tried and true system, the more tried and true players, coaches, obviously quarterback, coordinators. I, I mean, I'm looking today, just full transparency, I'm looking just at the Chiefs roster, where guys are from, at, you know, just looking at some of their history and whatnot. And like there's there's guys up and down in Chiefs that kind of have just like been there, done that. And it's even if they they've been from other teams, they, there's guys up and down this roster that either have you know good playoff experience, playoff experience with the Chiefs, Super Bowl experience with the Chiefs. And, and I just think that it's just a for this game, it's a it's just a better made system and organization. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think that that. Um that was really the only reason I ever wavered in my pick because I think the, the been here done that factor is sort of what got the chiefs here. You know, we saw the yeah. chiefs stumble, you know, more times than we saw a lot of other teams. And, you know, we always said, well, don't be surprised if they're back. Don't be surprised if they're back. And I think, you know, in the back of their heads, they knew they would be, and you know, that's kind of the sort of team they are. So, you know, I think they sort of envisioned themselves being here and winning it a long time ago. And, and that's, I think that's something to, legitimately be scary of or scared of if you're the 49ers because you're you're dealing with a whole roster of players that have never been this far um you know a quarterback who's never been this far who's still somewhat inexperienced in in spots like this not to take anything away he's been great but yeah I think that would 100% play into at least my mindset going into this game and then so on the flip side of that and, and I agree with that as a matter of fact but on the flip side of that we talk all year about you know, hungrier dog, nothing to lose mentality sort of thing. Do you think, I guess playing devil's advocate here, do you think that there's a bit of that in the 49ers where it's like, you know, at, at the end of the day, our, our quarterback is Mr. Irrelevant. No one believed in us anyway, sort of thinking. Like, do you think that they kind of come into this game with that chip on their shoulder? And, and if so, does that does that even apply to the Super Bowl or does that just apply to regular season? Um, I, I think uh, maybe Brock Purdy comes in with that sort of chip on his shoulder, but there's a lot of players on that roster who have come so, so close, you know, with this core group in San Francisco that, you know, I mean, to finally be here, I mean, that's got to be special, I guess. So I, I guess if I'm San Francisco, that's kind of a, I guess that would have to be like some sort of motivation factor for me. Yeah. But like, but in the Super Bowl, right? Like, because I think the counter argument to that, that most would say is going to be, I mean, look, if you're not hungry in the Super Bowl, then you shouldn't be here. Oh, yeah, 100%. But I, yes. I, do, I just think there's there's things that drive you during the week and, and you know, on your way to the Super Bowl that, you know, I, I think can make you better on Super Bowl Sunday. But yeah. I, I will I will take into account I would value experience over that, which would be, you know, in the favor of the Chiefs. Big time favor of the Chiefs. And not even just the players, right? Like the coaching staffs as well. I mean, Andy Reid's up top to bottom experienced coaching staff there on the chief sideline 49ers look they've been impressive in playoff runs I mean the the Garoppolo days obviously they they there's some guys that have been here and done and I don't say done that but there's some guys that have been on this Super Bowl journey or long playoff journey but I think that this is to me it's almost like three seasons in the NFL where there's the regular season the postseason and then I think the Super Bowl and all the lead up and the, the extra week in between is almost like a season of its own in a way. Is that yeah. fair? Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it. It feels like it takes forever, for, that's forever, especially, you know, when you have to watch the Pro Bowl. Uh, did you, did you partake in any of that clown show? No, nah, you know what it is? I just, I see TikToks of it. Wait, that me too. So exactly the same answer I would have given myself, but did you feel like you were being like force fed the Pro Bowl games on TikTok and social media overall? Yeah, and I can understand why they want it back. I think like I think the flag football aspect is fun, but I don't know. It, it just still feels like a vacation to the players, and it's kind of like if no one cares about it, why should I? Yeah, I mean, I think I've I've always thought for a long time, and not just football, but all sports. We're getting a little bit off topic of the Super Bowl, but I've always thought that you know when we say like you know first team all pro or first team all this, it's like an honor. I think like just saying that someone is an all-star or saying that someone is in the pro bowl should ultimately it, they ix the game and get rid of all the, the stuff. But, you know, I, I think eventually it would be cool to just see it be as like a, almost like some sort of pseudo honor or something that just goes on your resume where, you know, someone like Geno Smith can say he was a pro bowler once in, in a blue moon, uh, once in a, once upon a time, I guess you could say, I don't know. I just, 
just interesting, interesting Pro Bowl thoughts there. But back to the back to the biggest game of the year. We we got off track of the biggest game by talking about the least important game of the year. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I mean, looking at this game, right? You know, what do we say about the Chiefs side of this? Where the you know the Travis Kelsey storyline of it all. Forget the off field Taylor Swift stuff as much as that might be difficult for you. But let's let's forget that for a second. Now I call it the Belichick, right? Where you take away the the top weapon in a on an offense. Can you see the 49ers doing that to the to the Chiefs and saying, "All right, look, we'll we'll respect Travis Kelsey for this game. We're just going to double it. We're just going to make someone else step up and beat us." Do you think that that comes into play here? Yeah, I think if if we were just breaking this game down, I think that would be one of the first things I said that the 49ers are going to and and really have to capitalize on because there are times where we've seen Travis Kelsey kind of be bumped and be eliminated. And that's something we've talked about time and time again, especially, you know, leading up to this run that he's had recently where we were like, you know, where is he at? What's going on? And, you know, we watched the jets do it. So, you know, we've kind of been down this road before, so that's all on film. And it, it kind of feels like every team tries to bring that level of heat uh, to Travis Kelsey and the 49ers are a team that could probably actually get it done. Uh, having, you know, maybe the best front in the league. Best front in the league. And then they also have very, very good linebackers. You know, Fred Warner, guys like that, all on the on the the linebacker crew for the 49ers are going to be all over Kelsey, I believe. And I think that in more of an X's and O's way, it's going to be interesting to see how physical they are with Travis Kelsey because, you know, I think it's – if you're a believer in the fact that Travis Kelsey is, you know, quote-unquote worn down over a long season or he's just, you know, at the point of his career where – He's he's just not not the same you know force that he once was, but still a obviously an, an elite weapon outside. But do you think like being physical with him and kind of like knocking him off of his routes and even maybe like not a not a reverse uh, crack screen you know block or anything like that? But I can see the 49ers, you know kind of trying to be the ones that punch first in a way with Travis Kelsey. Yeah, he, he's a guy who's uh, you know most effective when you know, he can make a move on a defender that he's just way more athletic than. So anytime you could really kind of get him at a rhythm at the line, uh, that's when you'll have the most success. Yeah, and it's it's it'll be interesting to see that for the 49ers defense. I'll flip the question for the Chiefs defense, and it's really, this is the interesting kind of point of view here I, w- I want to ask you, but, you know, we speak very highly of Debo Samuel. I think Brandon Ayuk has had his best season of his career. He's been going crazy in the postseason who do you stop? Is it Christian McCaffrey? Is it Kittle? Do you, is it impossible to take the, you know, take your top weapon away approach when you play a 49ers offense that is, that has so many weapons at so many different spots? I feel like the really, all you could focus on, you know, with uh, Chris Jones and the boys up front is to just stop the run. That's really all you could do. And then you hope that cover guys can cover. Well, so the, but, but so if, if Christian McCaffrey starts running it down your throat, and you have to stack the box, you really have no have no shot. You have to shut down the running game kind of immediately. That when the 49ers are rolling, that's when McCaffrey has converted. You know, three first downs in a row because he had an eleven yard rush, a seventeen yard reception. Yeah, so that, I, I think you have to crowd right. the backfield. You're right, and I think that that's that's one way to look at it. But I think that the advantage that the 49ers have that the chiefs necessarily don't. And I can even just see this by just the way I listed these questions I wanted to bring up. But like, you know, when I asked, when I wrote the question about the the Belichick method, quote unquote with Kelsey, the question is for the chiefs, you know, who steps up in place of Kelsey. But I think in the flip side of that, for the 49ers, if you want to key in on a guy like CMC and if you want to key on a key in on a guy like Debo, there's real, real weapons that, it, like no one would be stunned if Brandon Ayuk goes out and leads the leads the game in receiving. No one would be stunned if George Kittle goes out and has two touchdowns and has a monster game, right? There's the 49ers yeah. weapons. It's really, you know, the the better quarterback versus the better weapons in a way. Yeah, yeah. We watch 49er games and like, you know, we'll be texting like, oh, is this one going to be a Debo game? Or like, oh, no, th- this is a Kittle game. Yeah, and it, it's a very impressive the way they do that and how they've been doing it all season. And I think that this is going to be – it might be weak to just say that this is the hardest test of the season for the Chiefs' defense. But I think even if – let's just say the Chiefs were in the NFC and this was the NFC Championship, I probably would have said that this was the hardest 
the 49ers are probably the most difficult matchup for any defense to to game plan for. Yeah, and and they not, might have, not just in the Super Bowl, and they might have the toughest defense to game plan for as well. Yeah, and then so that that'll lead me to the biggest question of the of the entire Super Bowl, and I think the biggest you know thing that most people, no matter how what level of football you you've kind of followed, but the, what the jacket play, is Tackett, uh, what jacket is Taylor Swift going to wear? Is no, it gonna not be that. a puffer. Not that one. That's that's third on my list. But number one is Brock Purdy and how does he handle this stage? Mr. Irrelevant. We don't need to go over all the, you know, the superlatives that are names that Brock Purdy has been, uh, you know, nicknames and all these accolades or too soon accolades that he's been given and whatnot. Does Brock Purdy live up to this stage and can he perform? on a big stage, if, if he has a bad game, do, are, there, are we going to look at Brock Purdy differently? I mean, how do you see this game and how do you, if you're Brock Purdy, what's the, what is the approach here in terms of, um, again, you're no Super Bowl quarterback, but when you're playing a guy like Patrick Mahomes and you're playing in the Super Bowl as Mr. Irrelevant, it's got to be such a, such a mentally tough week on top of the game. Yeah, I would have been a Super Bowl uh, winning quarterback if I didn't uh, bang up my damn knee. Yeah, me and you both. Yeah, no, I think Brock Purdy will be fine because I think it's easier for a guy like Purdy and, you know, not to have this conversation about Purdy again, but I think it's easier for a guy who's kind of guided to go in there and just do his job as opposed to, say, say C.J. Stroud's run went as far as the Super Bowl this year. And C.J. Stroud, we're talking about a kid who, lit the world on fire and really turned like a wide receiving core of like four or five no names that like really had nice seasons. Um, I think that's an entirely different uh, monster right there. I, I think that this is kind of in place for Brock Purdy to excel. And uh, I, I think he should be just fine. Yeah, I, I think I agree too. My question is going to be, and I think that it's no secret that obviously they've Andy Reid and, and the Chiefs have done their scouting and whatnot, and they're they're obviously way smarter than you and I. But I think it's going to be interesting to see the defensive aggressiveness that uh, the Chiefs put on early. And I think that you know I can see the Chiefs doing a couple things where they they almost come out and really start to put pressure on Purdy and kind of snowball things into him where it's like all right, you know, you're here, kid, you know, prove it. But then, all right, now you're also going to have to prove it with an extra rusher every time or a cornerback blitz or a fake blitz, a disguise blitz, disguising coverages. It's going to be interesting to see that that's really my, you know, key matchup here. I think the key matchup and the big dictator of this game is going to be Purdy versus the pressure because if the Chiefs are going to be able to get pressure on Purdy and he's not able to, like we said, be a point guard, be a distributor. I don't want to say a system quarterback, but, you know, fill his role in the system the way the system is thought of. And if the Chiefs can dis disrupt that, the 49ers could be in for a long day. On the flip side of that, though, is kind of like what I said before. It's really hard to do that against this 49ers team. Yeah, no, it's, it's almost impossible. But I do want to give credit to the other matchup in this game because uh, right before you had spoken there, I, I almost wanted to say that I think the group with the most pressure on them would be the 49ers defense. Cause it kind of feels like get torched by Mahomes or don't, you know, and it kind of feels like if we do our job, we should be okay. Um, and if they lose, it's because Patrick Mahomes, you know, did something unbelievable again. So I think well, that that's the group that probably has their, you know, they probably have like a ceiling in their mind subjectively of, of what they can't allow to happen. Well, let me let me play devil's advocate there a little bit. And I'm not saying I necessarily disagree, but would you say that the the Ravens for uh, the Ravens defense against the Chiefs were happy with their performance? No, really? See, I would I would disagree because I think you hold that team to what, 17 points. And I think it's more so I mean, this I don't want to recap the Ravens game or anything or the AFC championship, but. I think that if you asked the Ravens defense and gave them some truth serum of, you know, did you guys do a good job against Patrick Mahomes? And I think anytime you give up 17 points to Patrick Mahomes, I think you, you kind of, you, you sign, you, you would sign for that. 49ers would sign for right now if they could be told the Chiefs will only score 17 points on Sunday. True or false? 
Yeah, I had a an incorrect uh, stat I was looking at about oh. how many how many points the Chiefs had uh, given up in the playoffs this year, and for some reason I thought that they had not given up more than thirteen points in a playoff game. Didn't for a Bill, moment. How much did the Bills score? Yeah, like twenty four. Oh, there you go. Good, good, good job. Stats so and research. That, that was that was gonna be my gotcha. Like, well, they're only gonna give up this many points. But you were wrong. Yeah, no. I, I look regardless. I think that the the Chiefs are. It's it's interesting because there's there. I've even heard people that say that you know the Chiefs didn't do anything impressive last you know two weeks ago against the Ravens, and that they almost are on the people. I guess 49ers backers will say that. You know, I wasn't impressed by a team that, you know, a Ravens defense that, look, you can still say the Ravens defense is amazing. The Ravens scored at will against this 49ers team, if you want to kind of look at things uh, in that sense. But I just think that this this 49ers defense is is very good, very talented, very fast. And it's going to be interesting to see that, you know, can Mahomes make those wild plays against such an, a fast, athletic, well-coached defense like this? 49ers defense is and it's again I said Brock Purdy against the Chiefs defense was my matchup to watch or against against pressure you could say was my matchup to watch but I, I think you know the one beat of that is going to be how this I guess the broken plays versus this 49ers defense because I think of all of all teams they're all defenses in the league they have the 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 athletic and speed ability on their defense to kind of overcome any sort of, you know, ridiculous Patrick Mahomes plays. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with you. So, uh, I mean, is, if there's anything else you wanted to hit on, those are all the questions that I had, you know, off the top of my head. I mean, I think there's so many different layers that we could, we could truthfully get into, but I think at this point, and we're recording this about Friday, you know, dinner time at this point, everyone here has probably heard all the, all the talking points, who's going to win MVP, who's going to be, uh, you know, in the stands or who's going to cover where the money is. Was there anything else that you, you thought we, we might have missed here that was of much note to you? Well, I, I had one question I wanted to ask you. And, and if you think of a couple people or a group that you want to mention, that's fine. But going into this game, who do you think has the most pressure on them to come out victorious? Like who, who can't afford to lose? You want you want my my real answer or my my half joking but also half serious answer? Both. All right. So my half joking, half serious one is, I just think it's not a it wouldn't be a good look for the Chiefs to lose and Travis Kelsey to have a bad game. What is makes that crazy? you say that? What makes because, you say that? Because I just think that like you know think about like the 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 perception of this game right. The, one of the first things I mentioned when we started talking was you know all of the. <laughs> All of the, you know, the, the Taylor Swift fans, all of the just yeah. the fact the Super Bowl and all the people that weren't don't watch football that will be watching football this Sunday, all of those people. And, you know, especially again, if you're a Taylor Swift fan it, whose life seems to be just a giant fairy tale, the fairy tale is supposed to end with the boyfriend could be husband, well, different conversation, winning yeah. and being the MVP and having the big game and, and carrying off the trophy at the end. That's how the fairy tale is supposed to end. So I think. And I, I don't think it's a joke anymore, but I think that for him to – I wouldn't say if the Chiefs lose and he goes crazy, it'll be like a disappointing thing. But I think that to to close the book on this, you know, this 2023-24 season, to close the book on, you know, the, the first year of the Taylor Swift in the NFL and to kind of add to the people that think it's scripted, I think it would be a really bad look for Travis Kelsey to put up put up a – not a donut, but a stinker. That's a good answer. Yeah, I I think that's if you're like a a Swifty watching the game, and he's got two receptions for 17 yards. Yeah, like he's got to get in the end zone. Like like here's a bet that like like just a not a bet but like a, a maybe a drinking game that you and I can do. I, I don't know what you're doing for the Super Bowl, but wherever you're going for the Super Bowl, if you hear someone say is Travis Kel where's Travis Kelsey at any point in the game, you take a shot. Yeah, yeah, because that can mean one that can mean someone just really doesn't know football and they're just watching for Travis Kelsey or Travis, we could be in the third quarter and someone asks that question and it's like Travis Kelsey has done nothing all game. I'm such a big football guy tried and true that I lock myself in the basement and I watch the game alone. Interesting. You're big one of football those guy. 
Cheeto Cheeto dust on fingers and all that? <laughs> no, I, I don't do that. But I, I do fantasize about how I would treat the Super Bowl the year the Jets were in, assuming <laughs> I wasn't there. Like, what do you do for that? Like, do you go out for that? I, I feel like maybe not. Like, if I really had, like, a vested interest like that, would I want to be at a party watching the Jets in the Super Bowl where, like, I'm, I'm going to be anxious the entire game? Like, I, I'm not sure I would. My knee-jerk reaction is to say that I would just rather be with I, – I wouldn't say, like, alone per se, but if not I alone. had to choose – If I had to – yeah, no, I think that's, that would be a little weird. But Some, if, some if Jet had, fan friends would be good. That was my answer. You know, people that you know are not – they're not just, you know, there to have a, an extra day to drink or they're not just there for the socialization aspect of it. People that are tried and true Jet fans that maybe have been been through through the tough times with you. You know, I want those guys – I want those guys on my side during the good times just as much as I want those guys on my side during the bad times. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I see it. But um, what if, I'll flip the question back to you. Who do you think, you know, has, has, I would say the most to prove or, or however you phrased it. I think, I think Kyle Shanahan has the most pressure on him. Okay. That's a good answer. Cause I mean, Explain. he's really, he's really the face to fault you know, with the 49ers, this isn't a team where like, you know, Brady would share the blame with his coach. I mean, this is a, a Kyle Shanahan team and they've come so close so many times and have just never gotten it done. And, you know, you know what they say, you never know when you're going to get back. And, and it's very true. It's, it's very difficult to get here. So I think he really has to get one with San Francisco here. Yeah. I, I like that. You know, I, I think that it's it, Shanahan is one guy to me that I feel like, you're right. He's got a lot to prove here because if he can get it again, if he can get a Super Bowl ring, I think the the whole conversation around his whole kind of coaching career takes a totally different arc. Is that does that make sense? Where you're kind of putting him in the light of, all right, you know, he's still you know relatively young in comparison to other coaches in the entire league. So if he can win a Super Bowl versus being a guy that you know has has been there, I would would have been I guess multiple times and have lost. I think it it definitely I like that answer there for the 49ers and I put it having I want to say it's all on him obviously it de- obviously depends on how the players play but at the end of the day win lose or draw it's going to go back to the coach. Yeah, I mean especially the way they loaded up the roster just to get this darn thing done already. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean it's it's yeah, I, I think if, if I'm him I really have to come out with a ring. Um we had some uh some prop bets. Yeah, let's let's not necessarily you know, we weren't sweating too much on these. We're not really doing such so much crazy research. We're not looking at any sort of trends or anything. We just kind of discussed the fact that we during the Super Bowl, it is the biggest betting day of the year. Now it's gambling legal in, in a good majority of uh, the United States, as well as uh, Canada, Puerto Rico, blah, blah, blah. They're, all eyes are going to be on the betting. Um, and it's always just a fun time, even if you're not a big sports fan to kind of just look at some of the fun little props and stuff that they offer. So we decided to mix it up, kind of just give our knee jerk favorite bets that we kind of saw as we've been scrolling through our different betting apps and whatnot. So I'll, I'll let you go first. You give me one of your five. We'll have five each and we'll just go back and forth. Yeah. Uh, well, real quick, have I ever told you about the best Super Bowl bet I ever made? It was the last Super Bowl. No. What was it? I bet on, an octopus to occur for anyone who doesn't know what that is. I like that. The same player to score a touchdown scores the two point conversion. And, you know, with Jalen hurts and what they do in Philadelphia, I was like, you know what? That might happen. So I sprinkled on that and late in the game that did happen. That's the best bet I ever hit. Um, so let me, let me, let me stop you there. Now you mentioned Jalen hurts. Cause I had a, I had a Super Bowl fun fact that, I, that kind of somewhat relates to Jalen Hurts, but I just thought this was outstanding and, and an unbelievable stat. In the entire Super Bowl era, no Alabama drafted player has ever scored a point in a Super Bowl. Yeah, that that is uh, that's really crazy. Now, obviously, uh, quarterbacks have thrown touchdowns. It, it's about who yep. gets credited the point. Yep. Um, never happened once. That really is uh, that's unbelievable. And it's crazy because every year we look at the NFL draft and we say, all right, you know, 10 people from LSU, 15 people from Alabama, yeah, six people from Georgia. And every year it's like a machine and it's impressive. And actually the, the article I was reading that in mentioned that last year's Super Bowl, Devonta Smith almost became the first one 
but he went down at the two yard line after a 45 yard catch. Well, so why wouldn't Jalen Hurts uh, rushing touchdown count? Because he wasn't drafted. I don't believe he was drafted out of, out of Alabama. So you okay? So you're only declared an Alabama, I guess, alum player in the NFL if you weren't drafted from there. Correct. Okay, got it. So yeah, that's that's the caveat. It's an Alabama drafted player. Not, okay, not so, so yeah. So maybe I did get. Maybe I did get like the only you know the only guy close. Yeah, very very possible. I mean, I'm sure somewhere <laughs> along the line there's been someone that's transferred from Alabama to Alabama, yeah, yeah. blah blah blah. But <laughs> I I just thought that was too interesting. Uh, give me your first prop. Yep. Uh, I'm going to take Travis Kelsey over 70 and a half uh, kind of speaks to what you just said about him having some pressure on him here. Um, outside of all that, outside of all the, you know, the need to perform for the, you know, the glorious Super Bowl. Uh, I, I just think he's always going to be the security blanket to Patrick Mahomes uh, for as long as he's there. And in a game as big as this, where you're going to need one, I think he gets to 70 and a half, maybe even without having a big play if he has to do it that way. I think he's going to have a lot of receptions, uh, maybe a hint towards a, another prop that I have. But um, yeah, Kelsey over 70 and a half receiving yards. I like it. I mean, look, if you're if you're going to buy into, like you said, the the, the storybook ending, the, the the big game, Travis Kelsey continuing. I love it. So uh, I'll uh, I'm not going to not going to back it or maybe I'll back it. We'll see. But I. Um, I'm going to go a different route here with mine, kind of the same along the same lines of uh, the almost like expected sort of performance. I got Mahomes over one and a half passing touchdowns. I think that in a game like this, if there's an opportunity that, you know, you're at the third and three at the three or third and goal at the three, I think there's a scenario where Andy Reid's going to trust the ball in Patrick Mahomes hands. When, when you're in a scenario like that, where it's you're kind of on that fringe between running and passing, I think in a game like this, you're going to lean towards Mahomes and putting the ball in his hands to make plays versus really anyone else on your offense. So uh, I, I like Mahomes there for the over one and a half passing. And I think that he uh, he's, again, been there, done that. He's comfortable playing in the scenario. And I think that I, I love that bet. I love that too. So, um, I'm all, by be... the way, all of, all of mine are relatively coin flippy. Nothing really too crazy uh, odds wise. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to take Debo, longest reception over 22 and a half. Um, we've seen him do it through the air. We've seen him catch a ball at the line of scrimmage and do it with his legs. Um, if it's a game where he's going to get the ball, you know, an adequate amount, then it's kind of inevitable that there's going to be a play like this at some point from Debo. You hope you don't get bit by, you know, watching him do the jet sweep over and over again. We've all been there. Uh, but I think I like this bet for Debo, so... Uh, longest reception over 22 and a half yards. Spot on again. I mean, Debo can catch a screen that's three yards behind the line of scrimmage and take it to the house. So can kind of happen anytime he touches the ball. I love it. Um, going to get a little funky here. We're going to go to halftime for my next one. I saw this. I kind of was putting some pieces together today, uh, doing little, the slightest bit of research. Usher over eight and a half songs performed at half. I mean, look, Let's let's think about this for a second. Let's take a step back from the Super Bowl or the halftime show. Usher, who has been around music for years and years and years, and I would say the greater majority of my life, Usher has been a superstar. Uh, and I think that and on the biggest stage, he negotiated for to have two extra minutes. Did you hear about that at all? No, no, I so didn't. Apparently that's, in, that's great to know if you're going to be betting that. I heard that today, or I I, I forget who I was listening to, but. I don't know if he like negotiated it or it was just in some sort of contract clause, but everyone else in the Super Bowl halftime gets like 13 minutes of performance. Usher, I believe this year has 15. So he gets an extra two minutes. That's an extra song. I don't know if that's even factored into the line here, but over eight and a half, he came out with a new album just uh, last night or today, I guess uh, over eight and a half. I think you might go to 10. That's a good bet. I'm going to give a, a slappy one here. Um, I'm going to go Gatorade red slash pink plus 400. You get the range. Okay. In case it's a watermelon, in case it's a cherry, in case it's a fruit punch, whatever it happens to be. There's a lot of strange Gatorade flavors. Now uh, it's the color the two teams wear and you're getting some plus 400. Okay. Uh, Purple is always the heavy favorite. We're not going to go that route. I like red slash pink plus 400. It's, it's a, it's a very uh, chalky line, I think, there. I think a lot of people are going to think that way. 
Uh, that's fair. That's fair. The the jersey. The, I mean, I'm not a big uh, Gatorade uh, bath guy myself. I think it's ridiculous. And I've always wanted to ask a coach after that happens, like, does it suck? Like yeah, having your body covered in Gatorade? Yeah. Like, like, I don't want to, if I ever asked the coach that, I think they'd say, oh, we just won the Super Bowl. I don't really care. Sure. That's one answer. But I think once the emotions start to wind down, I think that you, everyone's got to be like, I just got a, a whole thing of Gatorade poured on me. Next time I see you, I'm going to run up on you with, with like <laughs> a friend and a Gatorade bath. There you go. That that's like a it's almost like one of those prank videos you see on uh yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. Just going up to going up to random people and pretending you won the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> um next next one I'm gonna take, not not as fluky as as the Gatorade, but um under seven and a half total punts. Now let me I did a little bit of research for this. Uh Mitch Wisnowski is the punter for the 49ers, Tommy Townsend is the punter for the Kansas City Chiefs. So Mitch Wisnowski, 52 punts in a 17-game season. Townsend, 59 punts in a 17-game season. That comes out to roughly three punts per game each. So that's six. If you want to figure that they stick to those averages and you want to figure that, you know, everything remains the same, in the Super Bowl, there's going to be a time late in the game where maybe, you know, if you're if you're playing in a regular season game, maybe you, you punt the ball away. But I think you're going to find like a, a – fourth and five at some point in this game where right on the fringe and a team. And I think one of these teams will go for it. And I think that the numbers, the scenario, I thought seven and a half was too much. I thought six and a half would have been a, a much tighter line there. I'll take the under seven and a half punts total. All right. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to go to Marquez Valdez Scantling uh, versus Debo in receiving yards. I'm going to take MVS plus two thirty. Um, You know, I think, Patrick Mahomes is going to be under pressure. He's very comfortable getting out of the pocket, even if it is the Super Bowl. We, you know, we talked about it. Been there, done that, and uh, you know, expect him to take a couple shots and drop a couple bombs. And if he catches a pass for fifty yards, like he happens to do, uh, you know, sometimes it feels like every game. Then you know you got a really good shot at winning that bet. And I don't think it goes against my other bet either. I think there's a sweet middle there of about thirty yards with what uh, MVS is able to do sometimes. Interesting. Uh, that's a sharp one. I, I don't hate that. Thanks. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that might be my favorite one of yours so far, to be honest. Appreciate it. In terms of all things considered. Um, another, I'm going to stick to the kicking game a little bit. I'm, I was kind of eyeing some of these up and forgive me again, this is very little research, but I feel like every Super Bowl there is just like a long field goal somewhere, at least attempted, right? The, yeah. the over-under for longest field goal in the game, 36 and a half. That's, yeah. Especially so thinking, with, with, two good, over. with two good defenses, too. I know the teams are going for it more and more. But all you have to do is get caught in, like, a fourth and ten. Yeah. It might, it might go over on the first drive. Yeah. Yeah. Realistically. That's a great like, I, I was looking at that, and I'm like, like, wow, I'm, I'm actually, I, I again, I kind of said that this was kind of like a half-hearted thing, but I saw that and I was like, I thought it would be closer to more like, even like a 42, 41. I mean, the way kickers are kicking now, a 36-yard field, a 37-yard field goal is almost a chip shot. Yeah, yeah. Let me give you my final one. We're going to go over uh, MVP speech mentions. We talked about oh, this God. prop bet. <laughs> um. I think as soon as you win something, the immense pressure sets in if a microphone's put in your face to thank the people you did it with. So you can get teammates as the first mention of the MVP speech at plus 250 uh, bypassing God religious figure at minus 150. Listen, this is this is it feels like a coin flip here. All right. But I like the value, and you never really know. Sometimes you get God first, sometimes you get God second. But I, I, I think this is a sharp bet, uh, given the odds. I've, I've never heard more truer words in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yeah. you get God first, sometimes you get God second. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. look. I, I don't hate it. I, I think it's. Uh, there was also another one. I don't know if you saw this, you know, or what your. I get your Taylor Swift thoughts on this. Will the MVP mention Taylor Swift? And let me, before you get, I get your answer, someone I work with brought up the fact that if I was, and not, not first, right, just mention Taylor Swift. If I was like, you know, Debo Samuel and I win the MVP, or if I'm, you know, some, some guy that 
you know, obviously anyone, a lot of people on the 49ers have not won a Super Bowl yet. So there's going to be a lot of guys their first time probably filled with emotions. Do you think that there's a, do you think Taylor Swift gets mentioned in the MVP speech and B what odds would you need to take the, a 49ers player to win the MVP and mention Taylor Swift? Yeah, that's really the question there. Cause I think a chief's player, you know, could, especially in Mahomes or obviously a Kelsey um, mentioned Taylor Swift. I think on the 49, like, the reason I don't think this is possible is because I don't think there's any diehard Taylor Swift fans on the Niners. You know, maybe if you were, you you throw in like a cheeky, you know, sorry to Taylor Swift, whatever. I don't think any of these guys are bumping uh, T Swizzle. So I don't really, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't take that bet. I, I just can't see how it happens unless they wanted to unless they wanted to diss her, which would be would be dope. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like if someone if someone on the 49ers said. Oh, and yes, yeah, shout out all the Taylor – like, even if they say shout out to all the Taylor Swift fans watching, that might be interesting. That You know what? I would respect that move. and I, I, I would maybe. respect it too. It's just such a heel move right after yeah. you won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 immediately, yeah, I'm going to Disney World or just shouting out all the Taylor Swift fans watching. Yeah. It's ballsy. Um, last one here I'll, I'll round out. It's not really a, a bet per se, but more so just – something I'm going to, I'm definitely going to be looking at and just uh, almost following a trend. So not, not a, a winning margin per se, but I think looking at the correct score and having a 31 in there at some point is something that is definitely interesting because since 2010, uh, one of the teams in the Super Bowl has scored 31 points exactly five times. And then ironically, the last time these two teams played in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs won 31 to 20. So I will be placing the Chiefs to win by, you know, 31 20, 31 21, 31 14. I'll be placing, sprinkling, I'll say, a, a couple different bets on that 31 number. So uh, just, just wanted to round it out there. But uh, yeah, all fun, all fun bets, all just, it's a great time, honestly, whether if you have skin in the game or not. Whoever you're with, everyone enjoys the Super Bowl. It's always just a it's just a giant spectacle. I believe it's the the largest music event of the year, as a matter of fact, obviously with all the viewers and whatnot. So just the absolute biggest. Um, so look, enjoy the game. Hopefully we we helped you talk or think through some of your betting uh, or just even overall thought perspective of this. But yeah, enjoy the game. We'll be back next week. We'll talk about it. We'll have Brandon on to talk some basketball, some trade deadline reaction, all-star break coming up for the NBA. So a lot to talk about. Baseball slowly approaching. Um, thank you all for listening. Enjoy the game and peace out.